if you knew as much about my job as you did your own, then you'd be a pro. Hashtag, don't mind me though. You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball. We are going to look back at, at, not Tuesday, at Monday's action in the NBA preview Tuesday's games as we end the regular season with just a couple of days left. So we've got stuff to talk about. Let's get to it. To it. Just another a quick early reminder for you guys to check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network, whether that's the NBA, the NFL, or our new Major League Baseball portion. There's a Locked On MLB podcast, and we've got about eight or nine individual teams as well. So you check those out, and you can find all the details on LockedOnSports.com. Let's start with the monstrous line of the night. It is also the waiver wire line of the night, and it is the blue swimmer, Alan Crabb, who had 41 points, including eight triples, five rebounds, four assists, a steal and a block, and 12 of 15 from the field, and a very, very excellent nine of nine from the free throw line. Over the last uh, week, it's only three games, Crabb is the second ranked player, which is an extraordinarily ludicrous number, averaging 29.6 triples, five rebounds, three assists, and shooting 61%. And 93% on five attempts per game. But let's, if we just zoom out a little bit, over the last two months, he has actually been a top 60 player, largely because he's hitting over three threes per game. He's getting 16 points, but he's shooting at a non-terrible level of 45%. Now, for the year, he's only at 41%. That's because for the first two to three months of the year, he was consistently under 40%. And as he has wont to do... Very little else. No rebounds, no assists, no steals. But those numbers have been okay. But realistically, you're owning Crab for his three-pointers. And even in those last two months where he is the 58th-ranked player, the only positive Z score over 0.4 is his threes. His points are a positive, only marginally, 0.15. His blocks are actually a positive 0.1, so just above average. And his uh, free throw percentage is 0.37. So marginal helps in a couple of categories, but it's his threes where he's at two standard scores above the standard deviation, which is really pushing him into that zone. And you know that I do like to devalue threes when I talk about things because they are so easy to find. And that's why he is on the wave wire in many different leagues. But with the way he's playing, with the way that Karis LeVert and Joe Harris are both injured for Brooklyn, then adding Crab for that last game on Wednesday when literally anything could happen uh, is obviously a situation which would most likely be fairly beneficial. The young gun of the night is his Brooklyn teammate. It's Jarrett Allen, who had only eight points and five rebounds, but a steal and four blocks and went 80% from the field. He has been a top 100 player over the last month. And much like Crab, his value is concentrated in one category, but his ability in that category, and that's blocks, has been massive. Almost four Z score, uh, Z score of almost four, 3.9 with 2.6 blocks per game. Eight points, six rebounds. They're nothing spectacular. But he keeps it solid in the percentages, 
56 from the field, 76 from the line, and then adds those really big block numbers. And you would imagine that Allen's going to play a fairly consistent role in that game on Wednesday as well. You're making him a decent guy to own, especially if you need those block stats on that last game of the day without hurting your percentages. If you get anything else, consider it a bonus. But for now, you know, I really like what he's doing, and I do think he can become a real uh, fantasy star at some point. He's per 36 numbers for the season, 15 Oh, sorry, 14 and a half and nine and a half with 2.2 blocks in 59 and 77 is his percentages. He probably won't play 36. In, in fact, I guarantee you he won't play 36 minutes a game next year, but there's no reason he can't be a 10 and eight with 2.5 blocks, one steal potential guy with 59 and 79 as percentages, which definitely has value in fantasy. So I've liked what we've seen from him. He should be penciled in as the Nets opening day starter next season. And I think he's going to have a fairly consistent top 100 year uh, once uh, the 2018-19 campaign kicks off. The dud of the night. I, tell a man's not hot. I got a feeling, um, did, did, Michael, did we hear from Michael Bolton earlier on? I'm not sure. I apologize if he didn't join in. The dud of the night is the iron shoulder, Goran Dragic, who had four points, two rebounds, and seven assists. The assists are nice, sure, but no threes, no steals, no blocks, and two of ten from the field is obviously fairly disappointing from Dragic. He has been, I guess, a marginal disappointment this year. He was 45th ranked last year, 78th this season. The big dip has been at uh, a 25 percentage point drop. Well, let's try again. He's gone, I don't even know how best to phrase this anymore. 47.4 down to 50, 45%. So, uh, maybe that's a, t- yeah, 2.4 percentage uh, point drop with his, uh, with his field goal percentage. His steals have gone under one per game and his assists are down to under five per, per game. And that's where a lot of the value is, is falling off Dragic's game. He's playing two fewer minutes. His usage has dropped almost two percentage points as well. So just a real sort of winding down of what he does. And he may struggle to be a top 100 guy next season, depending on what they do with Wade and with waiters um, and how things look with, with Dragic. But you feel like it's going to be hard for him to bounce back to those numbers from last season where he was a 47% shooter and averaged 20 points per game on a usage of 27% with the emergence of guys like Josh Richardson on this team and the return of is perhaps that usage does dip even further. You're not dropping him at any stage here, I don't think, even though this was not a great performance. So you just hold on and ride it out for the final game of the season for the Iron Shoulder, Goran Dragic. Let's look at these games now. We are recording just a little bit early. We're halfway or a little over halfway through the Pelicans and Clippers game. Uh, we'll talk about all the other ones, uh, though I don't know. There's going to be massive amounts of intrigue in that uh, in that Pelicans-Clippers game. The first game of the night, the Raptors and the Pistons. They did indeed rest Serge Ibaka, but Kyle Lowry played. Not really sure. Actually, I am sure why. I don't know if I agree with it, but he played because he wanted to keep establishing a rhythm. He only played the 26 minutes. DeRozan only played 28, and Valanciunas played 25. Um, you know, Lowry was solid. Valanciunas was excellent, 25 and 9 in 85, on 85% shooting. Um, and uh, DeRozan had 16, 3, and 7 in his 28 minutes, but they're locked into the one seed. Uh, I'd imagine low minutes for majority of these guys in the uh, in the next game the Raptors play on Wednesday. Siakam got 29 minutes with Abaka out. He started and had 10 and 6 with two triples. At least he's hitting his triples now. Um, yeah, look, another chance for him to be an interesting contributor on Wednesday, but there are going to be interesting contributors right across the NBA landscape, and he might not be the best of those. Well, Jakob Pertl had 12 and 7 in his 23 minutes, a nice performance there with Bebe out 
Onto the Pistons, my man Luke Kennard, 20 points, 7 rebounds, 3 triples, 2 assists, and a steal. I know I've been pumping this guy up all season, giving him the old virtual rusty trombone, but this is what I believe that he can do on a regular basis, and I think that he has got a legitimate chance of being a top 90 player next season, potentially. Really solid shooting, excellent shooting. He's been like that all season. He contributes assists, he can rebound, he gets steals, he can score. This is a a bit of an entree into what Kennard can bring. So if someone in your league owns him, and they are one of those people who also thinks that he was the worst pick of the entire first round, which I have seen that take everywhere, which is the most bonkers, bullshit, crazy, ridiculous thing that I have almost seen at at any point this season, hashtag Tyler Lydon. If the owner of him has him and and believes that, then get him, because it's wrong, it's categorically wrong, it's subjectively wrong, it's objectively wrong. Go and get Luke Kennard. He is far from the worst pick in the first round. He was strong here. I don't imagine we're going to have Andre Drummond or Blake Griffin for the season finale. They were both out here. So Tone Tolliver had 13 and 4, and he is an excellent ad. While Eric Morland was okay. Actually, he's better than okay. 11 and 7, two steals and a block. That's very, very usable. And that's what I was talking about earlier on, that there's going to be these weird situations on Wednesday where guys might be worse players than what Siakam is, but they might be pushed into larger roles. And that's what I imagine for Morland. Reggie Jackson shot horribly, but 16-3 and 9 in 34 minutes, obviously over his case of the Rodney Hoods. So, uh, yeah, if he's still on your wire, and he could be, go and have a look. Well, I reckon Hank Allenson might be an interesting guy to take a look at. 12 points in 22 minutes. It's more just something to watch. But uh, if you recall last season down the stretch, he had some uh, he had some pretty big games for the Pistons in those last couple of the year. Um, let's... Uh, Go on to the next game now. We're talking Cleveland, the Knicks. The Cavs wrapped up the division title. LeBron played 39 minutes against the Knicks, 26, 6, and 11. LeBron James. They played the Knicks again on Wednesday, and LeBron said he is going to be playing in that game, so no resting. Now, whether that means he's playing another 38 minutes or 22 minutes or whatever it is, uh, another excellent season from LeBron. Kevin Love had 28 and 5 with six triples, while the plumber, J.R. Smith, 32 minutes, 16, 7, and 4, 4 triples and 2 steals. We cannot rely upon what Smith does, but this was nice. Of course, George Hill and Kyle Korver both returned, but they were both on minutes limits, and I imagine that will stick for Wednesday as well. You're leading a Hill and, and Korver to not be guys that you necessarily want to own, while Jeff Green... He played 29 minutes, 10 and 2. It turns out that 80% shooting Jeff Green is not a real thing, and he, uh, he dipped from there. Jordy Clarkson also had a nice offensive night, but 16 points on nine shots is not something that you should ever, ever, ever rely upon from anyone, let alone Jordan Clarkson. For the Knicks, Frankie Nilakina, yes, 40 minutes, 17 points, six rebounds, five assists, and a triple one on 50% shooting. If only he was given a chance to actually play at any point prior to this, we could have been a little bit more excited. But you should be getting a little bit excited here. He can get assists. He can get steals. We saw that even back in November when Hornacek was still dicking him around. The shooting is not terrible. It's still got a lot of work to do. Um, but I think Frank can be a, a top 100 guy in a couple of years, potentially pushing to top 60. And let's hope they give him big minutes again in this season finale. There was no Ennis Cantor. There was no Timmy Hardaway. And I imagine that that will be the case again for the season finale. And if that's the case, then Beasley's going to have another big usage game. Mick had 20 points in 27 minutes with four rebounds, three assists, three steals, and a block. While the cock monster Kylo Quinn, another start, wasn't quite as productive 
in this game as he'd been in others, but eight and four with two blocks is still ownable, while Trey Burke had 12 with eight assists. Uh, Damian Dotson only played the 19 minutes here because it was really important that we get 27 Courtney Lee minutes and 32 Lance Thomas minutes. So Dotson only had 11, four and three, but 11, four and three with two triples is still a 12 team type of line. So not someone to completely discount as being a, a, an interesting option for Wednesday. The Chicago Bulls and the Brooklyn Nets, the Bulls continue to do this thing where everybody plays in the 20s with the exception of Omar Ashik, who played 14 minutes, and David Nwaba, who played 30. Campaign was back on track, 15-3-6 and six with two steals. But of course, Jaron Grant continues to play the same minutes as him. Grant had 7-2-4, and four, you know, rendering both of them pretty tough guys to own in 12-teamers. Punchbob had 14-7, and seven, while the sexy boy, Sean Kilpatrick. Another big scoring night, 16-3-1, two steals and a block. And I think out of everyone on this roster, he's probably the most must-own guy, which is crazy for a team with Portis, with Payne, with Larry Markinen as well. Markinen had 10-6 and six with two threes and two steals in only 26 minutes and shot horribly 21%. He's going to play limited minutes. I can 100% guarantee you that. Chris Felizio, also not a bad source of big man numbers. While Ryan Archer-Jacono playing 24 minutes a game is an affront to the state of the NBA. On to the Nets. They were without Jumpin' Joe Harris and Karis LeVert. And, of course, Damari Carroll is out for the rest of the season. So, D'Angelo Russell had 21-6-11 and 11 with two steals. And Spencer Dinwiddie started alongside him and had 23-7. and 7. Of course, if Harris and LeVert remain out, then Dinwiddie is a must-own guy. But his minutes are so up and down. Will he get 20? Will he get 35? Will he get 15? Who knows? But if those guys are out, then he's clearly a guy you want to own. Source Castillo, Nick Stauskas played some extra minutes, did very, very little with him, while Big Bad Milton Doyle had eight points in his 16. Um, not a lot else to talk about there with the Nets. The Oklahoma City Thunder and the Miami Heat, the Thunder booked themselves a trip to the playoffs with a huge win on the road. Westbrook, 23-18 and 13, while Paulie George had 27 with five triples. Both guys were horrendous with your field goal percentage, but the other numbers were nice. Speaking of nice, Jeremy Grant continues to play well. 17 points in 21 minutes. He had a steal. He had two blocks. And with the Thunder wrapping up a playoff spot, there's a potential for Grant to maybe see a 28-29 minute roll, especially if they decide that they need to rest Carmelo Anthony. Grant could be a defensive ish, uh, what's the right word? A defensive, uh, option. I'll just go the simple word because my brain's not working. But he can also influence your field goal percentage. Mallow, not a 12 team lead guy, and that remains the case. While Corey Brewer only really should be considered as a steel specialist. Had four of them here. Did pretty much nothing else. Alex Abrines was out of the game with concussion-like symptoms, so maybe Terry Ferguson might be in for one of those weird big performances that he had against the Lakers earlier in the season. That's just something to potentially keep in mind. For the Heat, they looked like they were tanking for the seventh seed a while ago, but the minutes bumped back up for these guys. Joshie Richardson played 34 minutes. Tyler Johnson played 32, and Richardson was great, of course, 18-3-3. And Hassan Whiteside had 16-8 and with three blocks in only the 21 minutes. Foul trouble bothered him. Olenek had some foul trouble too, 12 minutes, but he is not a 12-teamer. And James Johnson, Jimmy, he fouled out in his 22 minutes. So there was a lot of foul issues for the Heat. The Duke struggled. Uh, Dwayne Wade didn't do very much, and I don't think we should be relying upon them, especially Wade, in uh, in that season finale. Keep an eye on Bam Adebayo in case some rests go ahead for Miami there. Again, they're locked into the playoffs. The Memphis Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Grizzlies were without everybody. Uh, Marcus Sol could be back for that season finale. I doubt we get Jermichael Green or as Harrison back for that game. 
my man Deontay Davis, he uh, he struggled through some foul trouble. Only 23 minutes here, 10 and 5 with a block for Deontay. Well, Kobe Simmons had played the 28 as well. He had some foul trouble too. Five points there for him. Ivan Rab, 14 and 8, a decent performance. While Marshawn Brooks, I told you that he wasn't going to be able to continue to shoot at this level and regression happens and it happens pretty hard. 25% on 16 shots, but he played 32 minutes and had 14, 1 and 5 with two steals. So the value was still there. I think Marshawn, I think Dylan Brooks, I think Ivan Rab are fairly solid guys to own from the Grizzlies for Wednesday, and that is 100% exactly the reason why you should never be playing fantasy leagues this season. If your league is being decided by Marshawn Brooks and Ivan Rabb, your league is going significantly too far. Mario Chalmers had a really good defensive night. You cannot rely upon that. Four steals and two blocks with four assists there for Chalmers with Simmons getting into some foul trouble. Onto the Wolves, they get that victory, really setting up that showdown game between them and the Nuggets for the final night of the season. Taj Gibson suffered a neck injury, which apparently he suffered against the Lakers and just couldn't play through it. Four and four in eight minutes for Taj. That's going to open up minutes for Gorgi Jeng and Nemanja Bialica. So watch both of those guys. Bialica would be the priority guy to own, but Jeng had the better game here, 11 and 6. Townsie had some foul troubles, 24 and 18, while Teague had 24, 4 and 8 with three steals. A very, very impressive night from Jeff. Well, Jim Butler, still only the 23 minutes. I really do, and I'm pretty critical of Tom Thibodeau, I do applaud the restraint that he has shown here. 15, 2 and 3 with three steals for Jim. Well, Wigo remains just horrible. Seven points on 12 shots, six rebounds, three steals and a block. I hope that those whispers of him saying he's not happy being the third option uh, aren't continuing because he's shit out. Derek Rose also had a really good game again. I'm critical of guys, but when they play well, I'll, I'll call it out. 13 points in 22 minutes for Rose. Took some of Jamal Crawford's minutes. Also helped by the absence of Gibson pushing Bielitsa up to the four. That helped as they ran that Tyus Jones, Crawford, Rose lineup a little bit more. Uh, I don't think there's anything for you to really see there for fantasy for Derek. The Orlando Magic and the, uh, and the Milwaukee Bucks, another big victory there for the Bucks as the Magic just don't care at all. Vooch put up good numbers, 17, 10, and 7 with three blocks, a significant chance that he does not play the final game of the season. The same with Azza Gordon, who played 32 minutes here. I'd still hold them at this point, but just be aware of that. Ken Birch, not 10 and 9, two steals. I think Birch is in line for a 27, 28 minute performance in the season finale. So keep an eye on that one. While the DJ Augustine minutes trend reversed, he went back to 30 after playing low 20s over the past week. Nine assists for DJ again. It's a, it's a risky proposition to expect this again, especially given the way they've been using those minutes. I think Hazonia is pretty safe. 12 and 5 in 30 minutes for It's a Me. For the Bucks, triple double for Bledsoe, 20, 12 and 11. No Yarni in this game. So Jabari Parker started and had 16 and 9. I think Parker needs to be owned. And Shabazz Muhammad also stepped up. 22 and 8. That's just the perfect encapsulation of what he does as a player. 22 points, eight rebounds, nothing else. Really good offensive rebounder in general as well. He, I don't think he, he only had one in this game, but in general, he can help there. But of course, if Yanni plays, he's not even guaranteed to be in the rotation. Malcolm Brogdon returned, 14 minutes, two points. He's just not going to have enough playing time in that game on Wednesday to have any sort of impact in fantasy. While uh, we also had the benches cleared and DJ Wilson, who I, I was doubting whether he was actually still alive. We hadn't seen him for that long. He got into the game. Uh, Street Hunger Brandon Jennings had three, four, and two. The Sacramento Kings 
and the San Antonio Spurs. The Kings were leading this game for a while, but then the Spurs got the better of them and booked themselves a ticket to the playoffs. Darren Fox, 38 minutes with Frank Mason the third out. Again, with a heel issue, I don't think we see Mason play in that season finale. 21-4-7 and seven for Foxy. He was, uh, he's on fire from three, missed a couple late. He needs to be owned. Budrick had 17-3-1 with two steals and a block. And again, much like last season, his March and April form has been spectacular. His early season form, atrocious. Let's see if he can carry it on into next year. Well, Corley Stein played 38 minutes. I don't think we're going to be seeing Scal Lebissier for that season finale either. 25-10 and 10 for Will. Jakar Sampson got the start. He didn't do very much while Bogdan Bogdanovich was terrible. Two points, two rebounds, and two assists. Well, Justin Jackson, equally horrible. Actually, worse. Zero, two, and that's it. No other stats. For Justin Jackson, not a guy that uh, I think is anywhere near 12 or 14 team league value. Onto the Spurs, they made some interesting lineup changes. Initially, it was uh, uh, Danny Green starting for Pau Gasol, and then before tip-off, tip off, Kyle Anderson went to the bench, leaving Gasol in there. Aldridge was excellent, 15 and 14. Manu turned back the clock and played 27 minutes, 17, 6 and 5. I think there's a chance that Manu doesn't play on that season uh, finale game. Well, uh, DeJounte Murray, only the 15 minutes in this one, and Dan Green only played 16. So again, Pop just being quite liberal with his changes in rotations. A nice 37-minute game from Pat Mills, who had 15 points, and Rudy Gay also 18 and 16, but still just the 21 from Gay. I'm not buying that he is going to be a consistent enough performer to add for Wednesday's game. The last game of the night, we're going to talk about the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets. Just massive, massive stuff from Denver here. Portland was up big. I think they got a 10-point lead in the third quarter, but Denver came back as they've done all through these last two weeks. They won by six, keep themselves alive to get that uh, potential playoff spot against the Timberwolves on the season's last day. Nurkic was excellent. He was really aggressive on the offensive boards, 20-19, and generally plays well against Denver. McCullum had 16-7, and seven, while Dame had 25-4-3. Let's check in on the Chief. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Seven points on 13 shots for 23%. That's horrible. But 10 rebounds, two steals, and a block, that's what he can bring. Good rebounding, good defensive numbers, and probably should still be on your uh, on your roster. 38 minutes for Evan Turner, and he did very, very little with that, while Ed Davis uh, was back. He had his five rebounds and very little you know, contributions from anyone else on the bench. For the Nuggets, Jokic, was, uh, he was pretty good. Pretty good. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. 15 points, 20 rebounds, 11 assists, two steals, one block, and it was just you know, really key in that second half as well. While Farton will Barton. You look at that stat line, you go, Barton's excellent, 22-7-3. But then if you watch the game and watch the last couple of minutes and just a horrendous turnover when he's dribbling, and that's why he frustrates me, the decision-making, the horrible you know, turnovers at times, they are just infuriating. Um, and that's that's a perfect you know description of why he just bothers me as a player so much. But that's an excellent fantasy line. I guess I'm burying the lead here. No! Gaz Harris was back. 12 points, 18 minutes, two steals, remained excellent. The minutes were limited, and I think there's a chance they're limited again on Wednesday. But, of course, the Nuggets are in a must-win situation, so maybe they push it higher. He just may not be able to go. So while we know how good Gary can be, is he worth an ad if he only plays 20 minutes? 
Or does he need 27? We just don't know at this point. So maybe, yeah, look, take a, take a flyer if you want, but just be aware there is that, there is that concern. The Blue Arrow didn't shoot that well. Jamal Murray, 12, 2 and 2, but hit some key free throws late. Well, Paulie Millsap was just atrocious. Six points on 10 shots. The nine boards, the two blocks, we do like that. But of course, that, uh, that offensive shooting was not ideal. The Nuggets are going to play a lot of their guys' big minutes. Barton, Jokic, Millsap, Murray, they're going to play massive, massive minutes on Wednesday, which is great for DFS and for fantasy in general. All right, let's have a look at some DFS stuff now for tomorrow. And again, much like yesterday, it's just a shit show. Really watch what you're doing DFS-wise. There's only six games on. There's going to be some weirdness happening in terms of rests for many teams and many uh, many different players. So just, uh, just, 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 uh, yeah, pay attention to, uh, to that and see how it all pans out. Let's look at this first game and it is the Charlotte Hornets and the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers are locked in at the five seed. It's their last game of the season. The Hornets are, um, are also, uh, well, they're not getting into the playoffs, obviously. One game left for both these teams. Pacers guys, I'd be extraordinarily cautious with so many of their guys. The Hornets are going to be without Trevion Graham and Dwayne Bacon. I would imagine Dwight and Kemba and Nick Batum see their minutes significantly reduced. Therefore, I like Bill Hernan Gomez at 5,500 here. On the Pacers side of things, uh, I don't think, I think there's a massive chance that Daz Collison, uh, Victor Oladipo, potentially Miles Turner don't play in this game. I think that's a huge, huge possibility. So therefore, Lance Stevenson at 5,700 becomes really appealing. He had 37 points last game in 27 minutes, and he's going to have that opportunity, I believe, again, with potentially Collison and Oladipo both sitting this one out. That could open up some value for Corey Joseph at 3,900 and DeMontis Sabonis at 5,900. He had 51 points in that last game, even with Turner playing or albeit in foul trouble, but he's got an opportunity here. I think Frank the Tank and Miles Turner, if Turner plays, they could be interesting tournament guys, but so much of this is going to depend on who is in and who is out. I think Thad Young is also a massive chance to sit this one out, potentially opening up some value for Trevor Booker. But again, this game means 100% of nothing for both of these teams. So I would expect liberal rests and liberal minutes limits for Kemba, for Oladipo, for Dwight, for Batum, for Thad, for Collison, for Turner. All of those guys are at serious risk of having their minutes limited. So we're going to be looking at Hernan Gomez and Lance and Trevor Booker and Corey Joseph and Frank the Tank and Sabonis. And of course, Malik Monk, who's at 5,200 and is basically dropping 30 points every night. I think you should have a high level of uh, confidence in what Monk's doing because the numbers are obviously really, really good at the moment for him. Over on uh, over on DraftKings, it's it's similar story. Hernan Gomez is excellent at forty four hundred, I believe. Your Turner, if he plays at four fifty two, could e- exceed that, but there's an a huge element of risk. Lance at forty five, I also think is strong. In Monk at fifty eight hundred might be pushing it a bit too far, but I don't think it's horrible to use him. I think he may actually crack the thirty minutes in this one, Malik, and be able to put up you know some really really big numbers. And of course, the little dog Glenn Robinson's a hundred bucks above minimum salary. Depending on how the rest goes at 3100, I think uh, I think the little dog is in uh, is in an excellent spot as is Demontis Sabonis. Um, yeah, the same sort of story applies to all those other players who I do think are going to be rested and rested pretty liberally. The next game we look at the Philadelphia 76ers and the Atlanta Hawks. The Sixers want to keep winning because they want that third seed. The Hawks, who knows what they want to do. 
They started last game with DeAndre Bembry as their starting point guard over Isaiah Taylor. He still didn't play big minutes, but I do think that this is a game where there is some DFS value. There's a few guys that I like quite a bit for cash. The Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman at 61. The Moose, Mike Muscala at 43. The Baptist, Johnny Collins at 68. Even though that's pretty high, given so much uncertainty, you feel good that he's going to play 32 or 33 minutes. And the artist formerly known as Torian Prince, he's at 6,500 and he's fresh off a 51-point game. I also think that Damo Lee at 4,900 is worth a go in cash. His minutes and his role have been relatively consistent, while DeAndre Bembry in a tournament at 3,800, he had 25 in 20 minutes last game. I think that Bembry, if they get not, yeah, they give him the nod as the starter again, is in an excellent spot. I love Ursan at 61. Benny Simmons at 10-5 feels like there's no upside in it. But I also feel like he's got a fairly solid floor. Again, he's putting up numbers at a ridiculous level. He was the NBA's Eastern Conference Player of the Week, not Rookie of the Week or Rookie of the Month. He was the Player of the Week last week, really putting up some big, big numbers. Well, JJ Redick has been consistently good and consistently exceeding that $5,700 price tag. So he's a guy that you shouldn't 100% discount offhand. On the uh, drafting side of things, yeah, the similar guys. Mascala, Damo Lee, The Undertaker, The Baptist. Yeah, Simmons at 10-7. Sow was a little bit. Yeah, formerly at 73 is probably a little bit too high. Bembry at 35, I'm into. Isaiah Taylor at 45 has something. Uh, Ursan's at 6,200. I think Bob Covet 72 might be a little bit high, but he's been putting up big, big numbers as well. So this is a game where I think you should feel at least a level of confidence in, uh, in going after some of the players here. Cause again, it feels like that the Sixers are going to be, um, you know, fairly consistently putting out uh, lineups that uh, make sense. For the Celtics, they're locked into that two seed, so any sort of rest could be coming. Jalen, Jason, Horford, Rogier. Uh, Marcus Morris rested last game, so he could be back, but that means you could be getting some value from some other players. Maybe it's Jabari Bird, who's played over 20 minutes in each of the last two games. Maybe it's Gershon Yabesele, who's dealing with a knee problem at the moment, but it could be in action. Bainesy, Greggy Munro. As Greg runs in, we realize this could get dangerous. Uh, Kadeem Allen, who has also started a game. Abdul Nadir. There are a few interesting options here, whereas for the Wizards, John Wall should be back in business here. They're still trying to determine where they're going to go. We know they hate the Wizards. I think that the Celtics, sorry. I think that the Wizards have uh, an element of maybe not, um, maybe not predictability necessarily. But, uh, yeah, I think that we, we, we feel that they are going to give their most of their guys decent sort of run um, and consistent sort of run, which is all we can ask for from a DFS point of view. We just don't know the status of Yan Mihinmi, who's dealing with a concussion. Given the nature of the six-game slate, John Wall at 9,200 could very easily exceed that if they're pushing to get the victory here. We know they're locked in, but maybe they're still battling for seeding, or maybe they just go real easy on Johnny. But he is in an interesting tournament spot. I think Otto Porter at 6,900 isn't super appealing, while Satoransky at 45, eh, very little to like there. I do like Mark Heath at 5,700. He was well-rested last game after getting ejected after eight minutes. And on the Celtic side of things, there's just a lot of randomness. Yeah, Bainesy at 3,700. If we have Horford out, I would really be interested in Aaron Baines at that price. Um, Shaney Larkin, if Rogier's out at 3,600, I'd be all about Shane Larkin at 3,600. But with the way that things currently stand, it's really hard to get behind any of these Celtics players as they are likely to limit their minutes and likely to rest them. Combine it with the way that the prices are set up, say Greg Munro at 6,200, which I, I hate given the fact that we don't know who's in or out. It's really hard to use 
any of these Celtics guys in cash lineups. A guy that I talked about before, Jabari Bird, you know, Shemi Ojale, who dropped 25 last game. These are sub-4,000 guys who, if it all breaks right, could have some real tournament value. And we've seen Brad Stevens have absolutely no fear in using those players. Uh, over on DraftKings for this game. It's a similar story, of course. Beal at 7,400, though I feel a little bit more confident about. He's been getting you 40s most of the time. There's still an element of risk here. You know, same thing goes with John Wall and Markeith Morris, but they feel a little bit more cashy than any of these Celtics guys, and the, all the same sort of stuff applies as I just spoke about with you know, Ojale and Nadir and Jabari Bird and Kadeem Allen and Bainsey and Shane O'Larkin and those those sort of blokes. Um, just depending on how everything rolls with the way Stevens wants to run this rotation. So there's still a lot of unknown in this matchup. The, uh, the game with the just an absolute shit ton of unknowns is the Suns and the Mavericks. We know that Salah Mejri and the pencil Harrison Barnes have already been ruled out and Dennis Smith is listed as questionable. I would say that uh, that questionable should be as close to out as you could potentially get it, meaning we're opening up some Doug McDirt as Harrison, Kyle Collinsworth, Jalen Jones, uh, John Motley, uh, potential minutes for so many of those Mavericks guys. Now, on the Suns, every person is questionable. Alfred Payton, Devin Booker, Josh Jackson, Marquise Chris, Big Source, Alan Williams, TJ Warren, Troy Daniels. They are all listed as questionable. I think the only two with any sort of chance of playing are Marquise Chris and Josh Jackson, but we just don't know. If Warren, if Peyton, if Booker comes back, they're not going to be coming back and playing 35 minutes a night. It's likely to turn into a Chicago Bulls type of situation of everybody playing 22 or 23 minutes, which has absolutely zero value for us. You can take a flyer on Tyler Eulis, on Daniel House, on Davon Reed, on Shaq Harrison. But if Peyton, Booker, Warren, Jackson all come back, then none of those guys mean anything and they're not going to be able to do anything. So there's really nothing that I really like in cash here. Uh, House and Eulis, again, I feel really confident, but without knowing anything, I feel really confident that Booker, Warren, Payton won't play, and that does give value for guys like Eulis and House, but it, it could change. I, I, I just don't know. We heard conflicting reports yesterday that Triano said that these guys weren't likely to play. He also said that Troy Daniels um, wasn't likely to play, and then he played, and then he hurt his ankle again. So I think the Suns may be a little bit scared off by that, especially for guys with with back and lower body injuries like Warren and Payton and Big Source. Uh, they seem unlikely to be out there. But again, just a lot, a lot of unknowns. For the Maverick side of things, I think Collinsworth at 36, John Motley at 6,000 is worth it, but really only for tournaments. Um, as Harrison's minimum, Jalen Jones is minimum, Yogi Ferrell's 3,800, and there's going to have to be a ton of shots to go around. Shit, you could even use Doug McDirt at minimum salary. But bear in mind that he is just a horrible, horrible fantasy player and does nothing apart from hit threes. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith potentially at 4,800, but not a high-value fantasy guy either. This is just a game where you go, well, there's going to be lots of tank situations going on. But with so many unknowns, I don't know how you can lock any of these guys into any sort of cash lineups. Even if, say, Josh Jackson does play, he's at 8,500, which is going to make it really tough for him to beat that value. In fact, over his last five games, he hasn't actually got to a 45-point game yet. So that makes him really, really tough to consider. But 
You would have to. Maxi Kleber at 3,900. There's some value in him. Alex Len, if Marquise Chris is out, I think if Chris is out, Len would become the cash option on this game. But there is just so much uncertainty with everything going on in this Phoenix-Dallas game. But I can tell you one thing I am certain about is that Dennis Smith won't play, uh, even though he is listed as questionable. If he does play, tweet the shit out of me. I don't care how many times you tweet me. I will be absolutely flabbergasted if uh, if Big DSJ suits up for this one. But uh, I've been wrong before. On the, uh, Sun, on Suns, on the DraftKings side of things, yeah, the same sort of, exactly the same sort of story. No one's really standing out. Yeah, Joshy Jackson at 7,900. If he plays, I like that salary there for him. Um, yeah, everyone else is in that same sort of boat as Harrison, 3,500. Euless at 71, if it all breaks the right way. Shaq Harrison at 39. Daniel House at 59. But there's just so much uncertainty with this game that I, I just cannot suggest, you know, really investing a ton in it at all. The Warriors and the Jazz, the Jazz are favored by seven points. Igadala is out. Damian Jones is listed as probable. Of course, of course, Steph is out as well. The Jazz still got a chance to push for the three seed, which is as remarkable as anything that I could think of happening this season. They are flying at the moment. I think Jay Crowder at 4,300 here is worth a look. That's a cheap price. I feel confident with his role. A lot of the other guys, I feel confident in their roles as well. Jingle and Joe, Rudy Gobert, Don Mitchell, but their salaries are so high. Don's at 8,000, Jingle's at 72, Gobert's at 9,000, that it is really hard to rely upon them at that sort of a price. I love Quinn Cook at 6,000. I think he is a strong play. Ravishing Rick at 68. Limited minutes last game with the Hammy. I think that also may be the case in this one. 7,600 for Draymond is a tournament guy. Durant at 11-2 with absolutely no necessity to go full steam ahead. I can't really see that happening. Uh, one I do like to get behind for tournaments, especially even for cash, is Kavon Looney. He is blocking shots and getting steals at ridiculous rates. They're three points each on FanDuel. At 3,900, he very, very comfortably should be able to get your 20 points. So I do like Looney in this one. Clay is a tournament sort of a player, but realistically, again, a game where I just don't particularly love the options that are available, mainly because of pricing, not on the Jazz side because of minutes. But if you're constructing a cash lineup, having some level of confidence might be enough, even though they might be priced a thousand dollars too high in the in the Ingles, in the Mitchell, in the Gobert sort of case. But getting four X value almost guaranteed might be better than a guy who looks you know like he's going to be a five or six X guy, but in reality he's got a fifty percent chance of giving you two X or zero because he doesn't play. Uh, on DraftKings, yeah, things are a little bit different. Ingles is at 67, so I like that. I like Favors a lot at 5,500. I think that's a really, really strong cash option there for him. Durant at 10.8 is fine, but I also imagine the minutes are going to be a bit limited. Gobert at 8,100, the same logic I just used. That can be used in cash, and it is a much more attractive price. Ravishing Rip, no. Um, Quinny Cook at 64, probably a little bit high, but again, don't hate it. His minutes are probably going to lead. He's probably going to lead the team in minutes for the Warriors here and Looney's at 4,200. Again, retaining that level of value that we, uh, that we hope. The last game of the night tomorrow, the Rockets and the Lakers, two teams again with absolutely zero to play for. Brandon Ingram has been ruled out. Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball are both questionable. While for the Rockets, Eric Gordon is probable. Tariq Black is questionable and Ryan Anderson is out. Andre Ingram, who is a G League player for the Lakers, he's been signed. I would expect him to see action in this game. Um, 
To me, that means that uh, Kuzma and Ball probably won't play Ingram's wing. So I think we're not going to see Kuzma, maybe not Ball as well. Again, one of these games that I just don't really like much of it from fantasy point of view because limited minutes are going to be there all around. Jim Harden at 11-3 in any other day would be fantastic, but he's more of a $9,9500 guy given the lower minutes. Chris Paul at 8400 I just don't see him getting to 40 points at all. I think you can look at Trevor Ariza maybe at 4200 because that price is just so low that he just needs to hit four or five threes in 20 minutes and he's there. But everyone else, the prices from the Rocket side of things are just too high. Now, on the Lakers, if we have Kuzma, if we have Ball out, then the hitman Josh Hart at 5600 should be a very, very strong play. He dropped 41 last game. He's averaging 32. That's in a good spot. But KCP, the minutes are down for him. Can't really rely upon that. Do you look at Tyler Ennis, who's playing sensationally at 4,700? Yeah, I think you might have to if Lonzo's out. But again, it's really a factor if Lonzo is out. Gerald Green, I think, is also in a fairly strong spot in, in terms of minutes consistency. But production consistency from him is all over the place. It's just really reliant upon him hitting threes. And at 4,600, you need him to hit a few of those. So again, just not a game that really screams out to me as having great DFS value. On the DraftKings side of things, Harden, again, maybe in a tournament you use him, but I just don't see the necessity for these guys like Randall or Harden or Paul or KCP or Kuzma if he plays, which I doubt, you know, to really extend themselves. I think the Hitman at 5,900's in a pretty good spot, assuming those guys are out. Green at 52, again, a little bit too high. Um, if it's a Zubats, maybe you take a flyer on Zubats given the, um, given the way that he has been playing and his recent level of production has been okay at 3,600, but definitely not a guy that you should be uh, you know, rostering and expecting the world from. Let's, uh, again, this again, don't play DFS. I can't stress to you enough how much you shouldn't be playing DFS at this point of view. On Yahoo, I'll go through some options that I, that I do like. Joshy Jackson for tournaments, um, Ubre for tournaments, Collinsworth, Frank the Tank, Marching Gortat, Tyler Dorsey, Alex Len, uh, Shaq Harrison, and for cash, yeah, Daniel House, assuming those absences, Kevon Looney, Tyler Eulis, As Harrison, Marvin Williams, DeAndre Bembry, Malik Monk, Gerald Green, Mascala, Crowder, Finney Smith, Stevenson, Markeith, Dwight Powell, Hernan Gomez, The Undertaker, The Baptist, John Motley, Gobert, Beal, and Wall. On Moneyball for tournaments, Harden, Wall, Smith, which again, no chance he plays, but his price is really good. Uh, John Motley, Sabonis, Miles Turner, Damo Lee, Isaiah Taylor, Collinsworth, Bembry, Az Harrison. For cash, we're looking at the Moose, Stevenson, the Hitman, Ilya Sova, Dwight Powell, Bill Hernan Gomez, The Undertaker, formerly The Baptist. They're your cash options. And on Draft Stars for tournaments, Beal, Motley, um, Kaminsky, Collinsworth, Aaron Harrison, Jalen Jones, Tyler Ennis, Dante Exum. For cash, we've got Bembry, Malik Monk, Gerald Green, Finney Smith, Stevenson, The Hitman, Quinn Cook, Dwight Powell, Sabonis, Hernan Gomez, formerly and The Baptist. If you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, go leave a five-star rating and a review and check us out on Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube where you can subscribe and leave a comment and check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network, LockedOnSports.com or Locked On NBA Net to check out all the NBA podcasts across the network. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.
Bazemore.